This episode of Biscuits and Jam is presented by Boar's Head. Welcome to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living Magazine, and I'm talking with legendary musicians and celebrated chefs about food, family, songwriting, and Southern culture. Because of his Carolina upbringing, my guest today is no stranger to Southern cooking. But in moving to Nashville recently, he admits he still wasn't prepared for authentic hot chicken. You know, I, 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 I'm not a big into the spicy food, but uh, I tried it, and um, <laughs> I'm going to let you guys know a little secret. The mild is really hot. <laughs> the mild was too hot for me. Yes, it's really hot. <laughs> Darius Rucker is that rare entertainer who has landed two trailblazing careers in one lifetime. His band Hootie and the Blowfish topped the charts throughout the mid-90s with hits like Let Her Cry, Only Want to Be With You, and Hold My Hand. And their debut album, Cracked Rear View, has sold over 14 million copies, making it one of the 20 biggest albums of all time. Then, starting in 2009, his presence as a country star exploded as he became only the second black artist to ever win a CMA award and the first black artist to reach number one on Billboard's country charts in a quarter century. On today's program, Darius tells me about the hometown charms of Charleston, South Carolina. You know, Charleston's such a laid-back, cool, cool city, and, and you know, not to take ourselves too seriously, that we're that city that, you know, you're at a stoplight, you don't go to the green light, nobody blows the horn because everybody behind you figure, well, he'll go next time. You know, <laughs> I love that attitude. I love spending the rest of my life in a town that I think is the best city in the country, in the world. Plus, his love for okra soup, how he broke new ground in country music, and much more this week on Biscuits and Jam. Darius Rucker, welcome to Biscuits and Jam. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. So, Darius, you were born in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I actually lived there for about four years. I'm wondering if you can kind of take me back to the house that you grew up in. Oh goodness, uh, my sister still lives in it. Uh, it's a it's a little uh, very small three bedroom house in a neighborhood. You know, one of the cookie cutter neighborhoods. A lot of the houses were exactly the same, and uh, it was very small. I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many square feet it was. When I was really young, it was me and my grandma and my four siblings and my mom. You know, we didn't have much, but I didn't really realize it until I got older, you know. I just didn't think about it. I was very happy with with, with my life, with the way life was. So I didn't really think about, you know, the way we grew up. But it was a very, very typical uh, poor Southern black help upbringing. So who was the cook in, in the family? My mom and my grandma both. And even my sisters as, when they got older. You know, every, you know cooking, was, uh, cooking was, I wouldn't say a prerequisite, but everybody cooked. Everybody in the house learned how to do something just because cooking was so in, such an integral part of the day. So so what did mealtime look like? I mean that was it a little uh, a little chaotic or, or oh, was yeah. it a moment of peace? <laughs> no, mealtime for us except for holidays we were much into everybody has to sit at the table. Mealtimes were very hectic for us with that many people in the house. You know my aunt lived around the corner with her four kids and so you know we ate a lot together. And, and so yeah, it was it was pretty hectic. Were there some favorite meals that you always look forward to? Yeah, you know, my favorite meal was always okra soup. It was just this okra thing that, that was made with tomatoes and 
bunch of vegetables and some ham hocks and all that stuff, that southern stuff. It's still my favorite meal. My sisters make it for me every now and then. I, I love it. Well, it actually sounds like it's kind of good for you, you know, for a little kid to like that is a good thing. <laughs> I mean, the, the funny thing is it really was good for you. But, you know, back then it was all about taste, you know. I mean, collard greens, you know, one of my favorites, you know, home, you know the the homemade macaroni and cheese, the way the way we make it in the house, you know, baking it and everything was such an important part. But uh, food was huge in my life. You know, it was, it was just such a big, important part of with the family dynamic. Well, it's kind of how you connect with people, right? Absolutely. Always. So, Darius, did any of that uh, cooking rub off on you? <laughs> I could cook a little. You know, I, there's, there's, I, I cook a mean spaghetti, and I can make a pretty good chicken pot pie, and, and I wish I could make regular soup. I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> so you were talking about the holidays. Uh what did the holidays look like uh, for you guys? Well, we had a my mom, my mom, my two sisters, and a lot of they had a lot of kids. There was, you know, maybe sixteen of us kids at the time, and, and holidays we were always together. It was a family reunion every holiday. All the cousins were close. We might as well have been brothers and sisters. We were that close, so it was it was really big. And the food was crazy. You know, I mean, all week Thanksgiving week. You know, starting on Monday. The food's just amazing because you know people are starting to show up and and I love it. The southern cooking and the, you know I, I just for me uh, there's nothing like holidays down south because of the food. And, and was it everybody was bringing a dish? Yeah, you know everybody's bringing a dish. Or we were lucky because you know uh, we just made do at the house. It wasn't like anybody was staying at a hotel or anything. You know people were just sleeping on couches and floors and we were all going to stay in the same place. And so, you know, it was not so much bringing a dish, it was just getting up and making your dish. You know, you had to you had to get your time in the kitchen because somebody else was going to need their time too. So you got up and you know they got up and did what they <laughs> needed to do and 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 got everything ready. <laughs> now, was there a lot of uh, a lot of singing around the holiday time? There was always music playing on on the, on the stereo, and so, you know, we were a pretty musical family. So we'd sit around and sing and laugh and, you know, play cards or do whatever. We do, you know, whatever you're doing to entertain yourself and just have a really good time. It was singing and laughing was what was always around in our family, it's always. Darius, did you grow up going to church a lot? Yeah, big time. I was scared to sing in church because everybody was so good. <laughs> you know, that really inspired me. That really, listening to people sing like that, listening to people be moved like that, really had, I think, influenced me a lot with what I do in my music. Were there uh, early songs or early artists that really kind of lit a fire on you? Oh, yeah. The reason I'm sitting there talking to you right now is Al Green. I mean, Al Green, for me, made me want to sing. I mean, as a, as a young four or five-year-old kid in 71, 70, 72, Al Green's coming out with these records that are just stupid, crazy great. You know, I, I remember turning puberty, going through puberty, and singing Al one day, and I couldn't hit the high note, and I started crying because I realized that I wasn't going to be able to sing Al Green songs anymore. That, that, was, that was pretty... <laughs> uh, that, that really depressed me. <laughs> so were you encouraged by your mom or your family to sing as a kid, or was that not something to, that came until later? No, my mom always encouraged me to sing. My mom was a great singer. I never really pigeonholed music like a lot of people do. I never said I can listen to that or I can't listen to that. It was always, I listened to what I liked. I never decided what I liked until I heard it. Yeah. You know, and, and growing up, you know, where I grew up, it was times, even from family members, where, you know, you, you get a lot of grief because, you know, why are you listening to that white boy music? You know, I've heard that, you know, as a kid, I heard that a million times. 
And my mom would always get a take off for me, always tell him to leave me alone, don't bother him, let him listen to what he wants to listen to. And, you know, it all paid off in the end, I think. And your mom was pretty busy, right? She was a nurse at the Medical University of South Carolina. Yeah, she worked really hard. You know, you're trying to feed five, six kids, you know, working doubles and stuff like that. She worked really hard, but she was she was a great mom. She was always there for us. She was, you know, she came home, no matter how tired she was, if she wanted some time or attention, she was always there to give it to you. And, you know, she was she was great, but she worked her butt off for us, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, right now we see the nurses are on the front lines more than ever with everything that's going on. I'm just wondering, what are some things that you learned from your mom about what it takes to be a nurse? Oh, compassion. You know, compassion is, is something that she just really instilled to us and empathy for other folks. All the stuff that I do with charity comes from my mom, that nurse's mentality of helping people. She always wanted to help people in the neighborhood. She wanted to help her friends. She wanted to help my friends. You know, she was always that helper, and I learned I learned a lot of that because she probably became a nurse because she was that way. She just wanted to help people, and that's what nurses do. So, Darius, you went off to uh, University of South Carolina. You're a Gamecock. That through and through. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is where Hootie and the Blowfish was founded, right? Yep. I'm just wondering if there was something about that school that really made the band possible. Uh, I don't know if it was something about the school so much as just where we were playing, playing in the South. I mean, when we were when we were starting to play, there were, you know, 50, 100 college towns from New York down to Florida that had a bar for bands to play. And that was huge for us to be able to just get in our our van and drive up and down the East Coast, go to these college towns and play these, you know, college bars. The South was such a great place to hone your craft and to go and play and to find places to play. And it really made Hootie and the Blowfish possible. Uh, do you feel like your early fan base was really Southern? Oh, yeah, because we never played any place else. You know, we only played in the South. We played... You know, we'd go to New York and play the Wetlands every now and then, but, you know, going to Virginia, and it was Southern. We played SEC schools and ACC schools and going to play frat houses and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was definitely Southern. So, Darius, you've spent a lot of time on the road. You know, what are some of the things that you miss when you're away from home for months at a stretch? Oh, man, you know, of course your kids. Yeah, but, but you know, I'm never, I never see go that long without seeing them. But I miss... I'm a, I'm real southern, I'm real southern and, and to a fault sometimes. Like when we go anywhere, like if I go to California or if I go to, you know, Chicago or, or Cleveland, I always miss the laid back life that that we live in Charleston. You know, Charleston's such a laid back, cool, cool city, and, and you know, now let's take ourselves too seriously. There, we're that city that you know you're at a stoplight and you don't go and through the through the green light and nobody blows the horn because everybody behind you figure well he'll go next time you know <laughs> I love that attitude and, and the thing I miss the most is the people I love people in my hometown and I love living there and I love you know spending the rest of my life in a town that I think is the best city in the country in the world yeah so uh, you must get a lot of uh, emails and texts uh, from people asking you, you know, they're going to Charleston and they want to know what some of your favorite spots are. What do, what do you tell them? Uh, you know, everybody wants to talk about the restaurants always. I tell, always tell them to go to Fig, 
which I always tell him that, and you know, I never tell him this. He gives a two month wait to get in. I never tell him that, but uh, uh, but yeah, I got a fig. There's a, there's a restaurant on Sullivan's Island called the Obstinate Daughter that I love that I send people to. It's just it's just a great restaurant, great food. Um, yeah, I know it well. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it out there. Um, I always say to people, we might not have the number of restaurants as New York, but if you're talking about quality, I think our, our restaurant scene rivals anybody in the country. Has it been hard for you moving to Nashville? You've been you've been in Nashville for a little while now, right? I've been here for a few months. You know, it's different. I miss Charleston. I would be lying to you if I said I didn't. I miss Charleston. But, you know, I've really enjoyed my time here. I had some friends when I came, and I made some more friends as I got here. And the golf course I play is great. So uh, I like Nashville. I think I'll stay here a little while longer. Have you become a hot chicken fan? You know, I, 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 I'm not a big into the spicy food, but uh, I tried it, and um, <laughs> I'm going to let you guys in a little secret. The mild is really hot. <laughs> the mild was too hot for me. Yes, it's really hot. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've done some damage to myself on that hot chicken in the yeah, past. it hurt. It really hurt. <laughs> Stay tuned for more with Darius Rucker after the break. This episode of Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living is presented by Boar's Head. Introducing Sweet Bee's Honey Barbecue Glazed Chicken, a new classic flavor available only from Boar's Head that brings the celebrated traditions, signature flavors, and iconic taste of sweet honey barbecue to your local deli. Inspired by famous barbecue joints and the aficionados who know the reward is worth the wait, comes an authentic experience that can only be from Boar's Head. Made with premium ingredients, this slow-roasted chicken is delightfully sweet with notes of honey and perfectly balanced with savory hints of hickory smoke. Honey drizzled and barbecue sizzled. Ask for freshly sliced Sweet Bee's Honey Barbecue Chicken during your next visit to the deli counter. Boar's Head. Compromise elsewhere. Welcome back to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans and we're talking with Darius Rucker. So, Darius, I want to ask you about a little bit about what's going on recently, particularly with the Black Lives Matter movement and um, and all the protests. And it has been a uh, remarkable year, to say the least. Yes. Um, after the death of George Floyd, you came out with a pretty powerful statement on Instagram and and you said it's no longer OK for me to perpetuate the myth that things are okay. And I'm just wondering what these last uh, few months have meant for you personally. For me, it's been a whole new endeavor, a whole new look on things, you know? I mean, especially when you grow up in the South the way I grew up, it's so easy to see it and and just say, well, that's just the way it is. You know, that it's so easy to do that because not only do do you feel that way? But when you were a kid, when you saw something, that's what older people said to you. That's just the way it is. You know, but, you know, after seeing how it affects my kids and after seeing how it's affecting the world so much, this whole thing, you realize it's not okay and you can't just keep saying it's okay. And, and so these last few months have been an eye-opening. The best part, I think, of the whole thing has been my wife friends who've called me to talk about it because I know how hard that was for them to want to talk about it and find out what they could do or what, you know, get my opinion on what they could do. And it was a great thing to know that they cared enough to call and say, hey, man, can I talk to you about this? That, that, that's been a beautiful part of it. I think dialogue has increased a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, Darius, you've obviously been thinking about this for a long time. And, and um, 
working on this for a long time. And I want to ask you about a song that you wrote called Drowning. It was on your debut album yep. uh, with Hootie and the Blowfish back in 1994. Is that right? Yep, 94, yeah. And, you know, you had a line in that song that said, why is there a rebel flag hanging from the statehouse walls? And yeah. this was, you know, this was 20 years before that flag was removed. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you can take me back to when you wrote that song and what was going through your mind at the time. You know, it was it was a big that was a big controversy at the time that uh that uh on the Carolina on the South Carolina State House it was the US flag, the South Carolina flag, and then right under it the Confederate flag. And and you know, I understand the whole, you know, remember history or you're gonna repeat it thing, but like when uh when you fly for me back then, especially and now, when you were flying a flag of of somebody of, of an organization that was basically a terrorist organization against the United States, that just didn't make any sense to me. And when you're flying a flag like that, that to you know twenty percent of your population means something so hateful and, and and so so heartbreaking that how could you how could you not just put it in a museum but also fly it over the state house? That was that was a problem that we that was a, we had, and so we wrote a song about it. You know, that, I remember writing that song and, you know, didn't think it would cause a controversy. It did, but, you know, it, it did. And and I didn't mind that because the flag finally came off the State House. The State House is one of the tallest buildings in Columbia. And a lot of places where you walk on campus, you could see it. That was tough to to, do, to be a part of and to, to, to just do every day. But you did it because it was just the way it was. Uh, well, that song just, you know, could not seem more relevant right now, 25 years later. Yeah, pretty crazy, man. Pretty crazy how uh, stuff like that happens. I think it's fair to say that you have paved the way for a lot of black country artists. And I'm just wondering, who are you listening to these days and who are you watching? Oh, you know. You want to give a shout out to Kane Brown, but that kid's about to play stadiums. You know, he's going to be a superstar soon. So <laughs> Kane's doing just fine. Jimmy Allen, you know, Jimmy Allen just put out that EP Betty, which is a great, great record. That kid is so talented. Yeah, you got Mickey out there that's doing good. Mickey Guyton. Mickey Guyton, yeah, Mickey's doing great. And somebody asked me a while ago, like when I had my second number one, somebody asked me if they thought I had, you know changed or broken down some barriers in country music and I said that then I said I, if one person if, if an A&R guy picks up a CD with a black person on it and listens to it instead of throwing it in the garbage can I, I think I've done something you know and now it's just so great to see all these guys and gals getting a shot and actually doing something with it I love it I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about your relationship with uh, Charlie Pride oh goodness Charlie and I our friends, we're good friends. Don't get to see each other as much as I think we'd like to, but uh, when we see each other, it's a nonstop conversation. The one thing I truly love when <laughs> when we get together, we try to always have a moment where we could just sit down, me and him, because you feel bad if, if other people in the room because we're just not talking to him, and, and you feel bad, you know. But uh, he's a he's an amazing man. He's an amazing human being. He uh, I call him right now and I'll ask his advice and he'll give it to me straight whether I like it or not, and, and I love that. He's a, he's a great man. It's great to be able to make that phone call when you need to. Oh, yeah, it really is. <laughs> um, so, Darius, lately you've been real involved with the National Museum of African American Music yes. in downtown Nashville. Mm -hmm. uh, what has that project meant to you, and, and what do you think it will mean to 
visitors. I think it's going to be a great place for people who love music to come experience the side of music that that comes from African Americans. You know, we're we're represented in in most music museums just because you know some African Americans played everything. Charlie and the country music, you know, Jimi Hendrix and the guys in 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 the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But it's like this one is is a testament to the struggles that African Americans have made to make it music. And I love being a part of that and I, I'm really excited for it. Well it's uh it's opening soon and I'm I'm excited to see it myself and I know a lot of other people are too. Yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be another reason for people to come to Nashville. Like they need another one, but it's gonna be another reason, you know what I mean? <laughs> I want to talk about your new single. You've got a, a, a new single out called Beers and Sunshine, which yeah. you recorded in the middle of this pandemic. Um, I, I love the line, the only BS I need is beers and sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the line everybody's talking about. I remember when we wrote that line, I was like, I don't think we could say that on the radio, <laughs> you know, but uh, we could. It's And we write that song right in the middle of, of the real lockdown. And, uh, you know, no one could go anywhere or anything. And, and it, we were just all really talking about how you, you turn on the TV and there's so much crap on, you know, from both sides. And we just got tired of that. And so that line right there, the only BS I need is beer and sunshine. That definitely summed up how we were all feeling right there. What's it like for you getting back with uh, Hootie and the Blowfish? I mean, you guys had a big album and a, and a tour last year. Has the dynamic changed uh, since you guys have gotten back together? You know, I mean, it's still basically the same. We still fall in that rut that we used to get, but uh, uh, the dynamic has changed. Everybody's grown up so much. I think the big difference is we hadn't played music together in 12 years when we did that. That was easily the longest we had all gone since we met each other of not playing music together. And so it was a little weird at first, but once we got back into it, we fell right back into the same old thing, having a great time. (laughs) People have a real emotional connection, I think, with a lot of the the lyrics that you've written over the years. I'm wondering if there's one song that has really resonated the most for you or the one that you kind of hear about the most from some of your fans. Oh, oh goodness. Let her cry. Even all these years later, it's still the song that people talk about. Even, you know, people that knew me, know me as a country singer and then go back and discover who the, the Let Her Cry is a song that everybody will talk about. I don't know. That's still maybe the best song I ever wrote. <laughs> Would you mind singing a, just a line or two from it? Let her cry. Tears fall down like rain. Let her sing. These is all her pain. Like I got, I'm trying to hear. I'm trying to remember it. I play it every night. Well, Darius, what are you looking forward to the most when we get on the other side of this? I'm looking forward to playing shows again, man. Just playing big, huge, packed-out shows. And I'm looking forward to going to sporting events. Those are the two things I'm ready for. (laughs) I'm guessing you've gotten in some golf. Uh, I know that you're a big golfer, so maybe your golf game hasn't suffered that much. Definitely has not suffered. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's the one thing that's gotten better over this, for sure. Well, Darius Rucker, thank you so much for being on Biscuits and Jam. Thank you for having me, man. You guys take care. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Darius Rucker. You can find his new single, Beers and Sunshine, as well as the latest album from Hootie and the Blowfish called Imperfect Circle, wherever you get music. Southern Living is based in Birmingham, Alabama, and this podcast was produced and edited in Nashville, Tennessee. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or telling your friends about the program. You can find us online at southernliving.com and subscribe to our print publication by searching for Southern Living at www.magazine.store. Biscuits and Jam is produced by Heather Morgan Schott, Chrissy Tiglius, and me, Sid Evans, for Southern Living. Thanks also to Erica Wong, Ann Kane, Jim Hankey, Eliza Lambert, and Rachel King at Pod People. Make sure to be here next week for more Biscuits and Jam. Oh,